Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Excited to be with you today. Happy friggin' Wednesday, you guys. Happy Wednesday. Um, I 
was at an event back in September. It was actually my company's um, annual global convention, and I had the opportunity to listen from the from the seats. I, there's probably like I don't know, ten thousand people there, probably forty thousand watching, fifty thousand watching globally, and we had a speaker on stage who was just phenomenal. had has had such an incredible journey. And so I wanted to introduce you to her today. Her name is Ashley Delello, and she's the founder and creator of Bioemotional Healing, which is a revolutionary method based in neuroscience. And it helps her clients and anybody around the world break free from emotional trauma, limiting beliefs, anxiety, and chronic and chronic pain so that they can thrive in their lives. And this is something that we talk about all the time. I talk about it all the time in my business. I talk about it all the time as I've been involved in leadership training. And I'm really excited for her to be here today. She's got an incredible message. She was told by doctors that she would not live past her teenage years. And she was a girl who refused to give up. And she discovered the secret to rewiring, literally rewiring her mind-body connection so since then, she's become an elite athlete, a TV and Broadway star, an entrepreneur, a mind coach, a motivational speaker. So I am really excited to have her here today. Welcome, Ashley. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited oh, to welcome. be here. Great, great, great. So what I wanted to do, you guys, Ashley, I'm just going to share with you a little context of the room and just kind of set her up. Um, it's really great to be with you, by the way. I saw you obviously on the stage at doTERRA's convention. You were phenomenal. And I'd like to give you a little context of the room right here. This is called Breakfast of Champions. And most people in here are entrepreneurs. As you can see from the title of the room right now, um, this week we're, we're calling this segment Separating Yourself from the Pack, which is just a perfect, perfect, perfect title for you. We've got so many amazing people in here who are working on their life. They're designing their life like you have. Mm -hmm whether they're designing their relationships or their mindset or, or, or their income, their, their business, whatever. We've got so many creative professionals in here and over, we, you know, this, this, this platform came about during COVID or just right before COVID and a lot of relationships were built over here. And since then there's been a lot of shift. People have gone back to, you know, their, their old ways. And sometimes people had to shift into new ways because they're so, things are so different than they were pre 2020, both in the economy and politics and their jobs and their income, whatever. And you know, what hasn't worked before might not work right now, which is a message that I know that you're going to tell. And I, I love that. I love that about this room. I love that there's so many people who are creative in here. I love that there's so many people who are eager to learn. I've loved that so many people in here that are looking to hear from that next amazing person who can inspire them. And um, the reason I love this is I'm one of those creatives also that has a desire to move, to pivot, to shift and to just level up in any way that I can. And so if something isn't working, great, we get to create something new. And I love finding ways to hack my own mindset, like you're gonna talk about productivity, business life. And I know that you know, and that's why you do what you do, that not everybody has that same kind of mindset and some people freeze, some people spin out. And I'm sure you were, you were, you were feeling like that in moments in your life too, where you're curling up on the floor in the fetal position and wondering whether you should get out or get up or lashing yeah. out on other people. So basically I host this weekly segment so I can share topics and interviews like the one we're about to do that support people to look at things a different way. And I, my belief is that if I can put one person like you <laughs> or one thought, or you can put one thought or one alternative lifestyle hack or, or one free moment of training in front of people, then 
that makes a difference in other people's lives than we've done our job. So with that said, I thought you'd be the perfect guest to talk about how to create mindset for success, considering your story. So obviously we'll get more into that in a second. Um, but something that really resonated me with about me, something that really resonated with me about you, about your story was that you, you had this experience with a life threatening illness when you were just 13. And I had a similar experience at young adulthood that led me on a path to my own path to health and wellness. But can you share a little bit more about your story and what led you here today? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I'm, I'm honored and excited to be here. I, I love anyone who, you know, is, is here is obviously looking to up level their life and to become more than whatever their circumstances, um, or others have told them, you know, is possible. So I, it, it was a 25 year journey to get to my work. So I'm going to surmise it, uh, really quickly. Um, just something that helped me survive was I, and you, I had, and you don't have to surmise it quickly. I mean, take your time. We've got an hour. So just okay. Really fill us up. <laughs> okay. Well, something that's just important to know beforehand. And obviously you mentioned I was on TV and Broadway was, I really feel grateful. I had a passion from a young age. Um, and that was to dance. And I, I, I started dancing five hours a day when I was seven and it was just what I wanted to do. And the reason why that's important is, um, when I got really sick at 13, that was the one thing also I was told I would never, ever do again. Um, I literally went from the epitome of health and dancing five hours a day and being called the energizer bunny to fighting for my life. And it happened overnight. And the hard part about it was nobody could figure it out. Um, this was, you know, and this was 26 years ago. I went all over the country. I went um, to every type of specialist. I had every test scan known to man. Um, I always say, if you ever watched the TV show House um, back in the day on Fox, he was this uh, incredible doctor that just solved mysteries. And I was one of those patients that was clearly dying. My organs were shutting down. My skin was yellow from my liver shutting down. I got down to about 90 pounds. I had pain in every joint and muscle, lost most of my hair. Um, but even the worst thing for me was just literally, I felt like I was dying. I got to where I didn't even have enough energy some days to speak. Um, or even lift a finger. I used to tell my mom, I would just be laying there in my bed and I would tell her my body aches. This is taking too much energy for me to just lie here. And uh, it, I really know what it feels like to feel your body shutting down. And in fact, it was so much so that there were many nights I wouldn't go to sleep. I would wheel myself to stay awake because I felt like if I just surrendered that conscious control, that will to live, that my body was just too exhausted. It just was fighting so hard to survive. So why that matters is I, that we'll talk about and fast forward to my work today with the brain is I lived like that for over four years of literally teetering between life and death, which obviously had a profound impact on my brain and nervous system. And I literally was living in fight or flight and was too afraid to go to sleep um, at night. And so that was really impacting my system, obviously in a way that I had no idea was happening, right? I was just trying to survive. And 
it was, it was a long journey. The hardest part is it took about two and a half years to even find any answers. And that was, and I think people can relate to that, just like helplessness. I, I would pray, I'd go in for scans and tests and I would pray it would come out positive just so that I could have a plan, right? This, I was literally for over two years just fighting, willing to live without actually knowing what we were battling. And, and that was hard. I had a rare viral infection that just nobody could diagnose or treat. And, um, you know, they were all, I was told I was a mystery patient and make medical books. And this was really the beginning of me, obviously, intricately understanding and, and living that mind-body connection because I felt that power I, of my will to live and willing my body to keep going and to keep fighting and not accepting. Because I, I was told, doctors told me that I needed to accept that I was going to die. And in fact, they sent in a psychologist to talk to me because they said I was living in denial of my circumstances. And I'm 13 years old being told I need to accept I'm dying. They're bringing in a psychologist to talk to me, to tell me that I need to stop denying that I'm dying. And I remember, I remember looking at her and saying, listen, <laughs> no. And thankfully I was born a bit of a spitfire because <laughs> I remember looking at her and saying, nobody knows I'm dying more than me. Like I, I am living in this body and I can feel it and it is, it's scary. I mean, I was, I was scared out of my mind, right? But I also innately felt that if I just accepted I was dying, then all chances of survival were off the table. And so that's when I just decided I'm not going to just accept, I'm, I'm going to fight, I'm going to push, I'm going to believe Whatever odds I'm being told I, I are there, which I wasn't told really there was any, um, the few doctors who said I did have any chances of survival said that I'd be sick the rest of my life. Um, and I just very, very inside deeply understood that the body can't overcome what the mind doesn't believe. So I wanted to believe in possibility instead of just accept this finality that I was told was define my life and so that was again the, a, a very strong introduction into how powerful what we think and what we believe is so after about four and a half years um i my body was now no longer super sick and i did a bunch of things to help my body and help my immune system and, and help support it um in addition obviously to what i was willing within my mind and it about took about six years for me to have enough strength um, to go back to dance. And that was miraculous. I mean, from not being able to lift a finger. And it, obviously it was, it was a journey back there. And we'll circle back about what allowed me to come back in, in reference to the brain because I was, I was able to come back after a six year absence and have an incredible career and um, dance up to 12, 15 hours a day when I was on So You Think You Can Dance, which was, just, which was just, it was so miraculous. And then headlined a Broadway show with my husband and we traveled the world dancing and it was just like the top of the mountain, right? That I had worked so hard to get to and I had so many injuries even in my professional career that I had to continue to overcome and, and work through. And it was by no means easy and it felt like the ramifications of my illness, you know, were still following me in terms of these injuries that I kept having no matter um, how well I took care of my body 
but nonetheless, I, you know, I felt on top of the mountain. And, and then six years ago, um, I had to have a second hip surgery. So I had navigated through one and came back to my career eight months after, and I had to do the other hip and it completely failed. And I went from, again, an elite athlete and the epitome of health and the top of my professional career to barely being able to walk and pain spreading throughout my entire body. And it was just, it was so deja vu of what I went through as a teenager, but so much more challenging because now I'm a mother and I'm a wife. My daughter was two which was a miracle in and of itself because I'd also been told I'd never be able to have children. So I have this two-year-old daughter that is just the light and miracle of my life. And now I can't hold her. I can't pick her up. I can't play on the ground with her. Um, and it was just like this everyday new pain spreading throughout my body. And it was also very deja vu in terms of I'm, I'm going to doctors and specialists and scans and, and they're like, I don't know what's happening. Right. And again, the nightmare of being the mystery. And so the best they tell me is, you know, your nervous system flipped a switch into pain in the surgery. And, and once in a while that, you know, can happen. And well, sorry it did, but now you're a chronic pain patient the rest of your life. And I'm being told diagnoses like fibromyalgia, chronic regional pain syndrome, interstitialitis, like all these pain syndromes that are, are life sentences. And I just, again, knowing what I had gone through when I was younger, didn't accept it. But what was hard is I, I'm going down this path and trying everything that existed. And there's so much more options even now than 26 years ago. And I'm, I'm having over 200 different types of injections, regenerative, functional, stem cell, anything you can think of. I'm doing anything in Western, Eastern, functional, regenerative, all holistic types of healing. And I'm not, I'm not getting better. Um, and about several years into this, you know, and obviously I'm having health issues too because I'm living in widespread pain. I'm barely sleeping. That obviously starts to affect my health too. And I'm being tested for thyroid cancer and all these things are happening because, well, I'm in so much stress every day and so much pain. You could barely touch me or my, and my body would react like a, a truck hit me. So several years into this, I'm like, okay, I, I literally got to that point of, having nothing left, living in, in that type of hell every day. Obviously, my husband and I, you know, we lost our professional career. Um, the stress of needing so much help with my daughter, the mom guilt that came with that, the guilt of my family, you know, nearly losing our home because we're, we're spending so much money trying to get me well. And all these treatments, you know, not an insurance, it's all out-of-pocket pay, um, and just one night, again, a sleepless, just torturous night, I was just like, gosh, I, don't, I, can't, I just feel like I have nothing left, right? Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like I'm living in daily hell. I've tried and tried, you know, for over two years trying to find answers, solutions. Like, what? I don't know if I like, can keep doing this. Like, what is the point of so much suffering, not just for me, but my family? And all I had was this, this thought in my head, I, I, what does it look like if I give up? You know, and I, I was being really honest with myself as I'm laying on the floor in that fetal position, you know, breathing through one painful moment of the next. And I just thought, well, what if I give up? What if I just accept, you know, I'm, this is my life now. I'm in pain. What does that 
what does that look like? And all I knew is really being honest with myself, I, I did not want my life to look like that the rest of my life. And so I just had this thought, well, okay, I know what it looks like to give up. I want to see what it looks like if I keep going. And that was the night I thought, well, if my nervous system flipped a switch into pain, I'm going to figure out how to flip it back. And that's when I dove head deep into neuroscience and pain science and the brain and nervous system and that connection with the body. And I realized, um, you know, all pain comes from the brain. It is very real. It is felt in the body, but it doesn't exist unless the brain says so. So I thought, well, then if the brain creates all pain, then that means I can do something about it with the brain, aside from just trying to treat the body. And as I dive deep, I couldn't believe no one was talking to me about this um, and realized that just as pain can get wired in the brain, so can anything else, right? Whatever gets stuck in those connections between the brain and nervous system, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, it becomes that habitual pathway that the brain uses to communicate to the body and to us. But that also means that we can do something about it. And that's when I decided, okay, how do you rewire this? And I realized nobody had a process. And that's when I started to be my own guinea pig and combine all the neuroscience I was studying like four or five hours a day with everything that I'd learned in over you know, 20 years of not just my health journey as a teenager, but navigating through tons of really challenging injuries and just how life and all those challenges impacted me emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And I, I realized I had PTSD that I'd been carrying subconsciously since my illness as a teenager and all these things that I had to heal and address because everything in life registers in our brain and nervous system in a way that is beyond us consciously often, but it's creating a stress response subconsciously. And so it wasn't just rewiring pain. It was healing all the pieces of my life that were creating stress in my system and therefore magnifying pain, magnifying my body's reaction to that failed surgery. Cause I did have a failed surgery. The surgeon left a hole in my hip. There was physical ramifications, but the way my body was reacting had so much more to also, you know, with everything that I had experienced in my life and that cellular memory. And we have to understand that our brain and nervous system have that data bank of everything that we've gone through and the more challenging, the more emotionally charged that they've been, the more they've altered our brain and nervous system. And that's running and the brain is constantly cross-referencing that to decide how to protect us. And that's really the key. Our stress responses are our brain's attempt to protect us um, from either physical or emotional or mental perceived threats. And those threats are very individual based upon our life experiences. And so understanding that pain was protection, um, this PTSD was protection based upon my past experiences. It was, okay, I've got to heal these pieces to not just consciously, but where subconsciously my brain and nervous system feel safe enough to let it go so that that stress response can turn off so that now healing is possible. And that's really that's incredible. I want to actually break that down and like ask yeah. you some questions on that. Cause I mean, what a story. And I mean, as you were speaking, 
you know, and I bet you there's a lot of people in the room that have similar parallels here. I mean, I'm never going to compare anybody's story in the one that I had. Well, I, I was going to say it wasn't life-threatening, but that's not true. Because when I went to one of my doctors, he said, if you don't change your life, you're not going to make it anymore. Because I had burned out my adrenals so far and my pancreas and stomach had basically turned off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying the same thing to me. Like, I've never seen this before. My dad, who was a radiologist, did a lot of my scans. And he's like, I've never, they had to look it up. It was, you know, it was like not even in a book, you know, the same wow. kind of thing. And I had been dealing with, um, with pain in my gut, which then eventually caused, cause we know now, like, just like you're saying with those responses in the brain, we know there's so much evidence out there that the, that the gut actually is your second brain Absolutely, actually, the gut and your heart. And so when you are, um, when you're, when you're not well in that area, there's so many different responses that are happening, like whether that's depression or anxiety or 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 fear or whatever else, you know, there's so many different like emotional responses that happen anyway. I don't want to talk about me. I mean, this is the hour I want to really focus on you, but what I'm, what I, but I, what I really resonated with was a moment where somebody said to me, you know, you just have to accept it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the chances, the probability of you feeling normal are very slim. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, I don't think so. And I literally just like you dedicated my entire life which then accidentally became my career Mm. into helping other people understand that they have a choice in how they feel. Mm -hmm. They have a choice in their mindset in, in their responses to situations, which ultimately determines the energy, the vibe, the aura around them, which is going to have a massive impact on their way of doing, which stems from their way of being. And so your story is really, really significant to me, which is why I brought you on here. And before you came on here, I I just read a book. um, I think I mentioned it last week when we were in here. I was interviewing Marie Forleo and we were talking about, again, about mindset and relationships with with ourselves and our time and our intentions. And I read, I I mentioned a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. I don't know if you've ever read it. Victor Frankel. Yeah. (laughs) I just read it for the first time um, about three weeks ago. And I can't believe I haven't read it before, honestly, because this is like similar parallel stories. I mean, you know, he was in a four concentration camps in four years in, in, in Nazi uh, Poland, Austria, Austria and Germany. But his his mindset is literally what kept him alive. Mm-hmm. And I was having this conversation with my parents last night. I'm like, and my, my mom was like, why? How, why did he survive? I mean, nobody survives there. And I said, it, it literally was his way of being. So because of his way of being, there were times where, you know, a guard would push him to the side and wouldn't bring him forward where everybody else was going basically to suicide, you know, but it was his way of being that literally kept him alive. And so your, your mindset, your determination, I, I want you guys to hear this because this is so significant. I think that we think that our fates are so determined for us and there is so much energy out there that we can play upon. Mm-hmm. And so what I would love for you to do is since we have a room full of entrepreneurs here, I, I want to just shift yes. this for a second. I want to come back to your physical journey, but because we have so many entrepreneurs here and, and, and many of them, I have a feeling <laughs> are feeling stuck mm-hmm. in some way in their business, maybe in their marriage or their career, maybe they're having a negative thought loop in. I was having a conversation actually with a a woman who is a parent um, of a child at my daughter's school last night. And so my daughter's in eighth grade and we're getting ready to send them to high school and they they go to a private school. And so we're talking, texting about um, 
about whether or not we're sending our kids back to the school. And she starts telling me all the reasons she's disappointed with the school that we're, our kids are both in. And every time she gave me a negative comment, which was five, six, seven times, I turned around and I said, this is the best school in the area. So this is what I'm committing to. You know, it was like, mm. well, you should see this school and you should see this school. And I'm like, I'm not going to send my daughter to a school an hour and a half away. So I am not even going to look at that website because I am going to, I'm committing to be happy mm. with the situation I'm in. And then I would say something like, my daughter is thriving right now. She's getting great grades. She has friends. She's happy. Like her mindset was, it was, it was interesting. It was literally making me sick in my body. Like, I just finally just closed my phone because <laughs> I was like, I can't yeah. have this conversation with somebody who all their brain is wired to negativity. Yeah. And yeah. so I want to talk about that because I think that so many people right here may be, and I'm not saying that we're in a room full of negative people. I'm not saying that at all. No. But what I do notice about the human brain is that we get stuck in negative thought loops. Mm -hmm. And I know that you do help people get out of those loops, calm the body, calm the emotions. So would you, would you talk about that for a bit minute? Yeah, absolutely. Or two, or three. Well, here's, here's the, here's the harsh truth, right? Everyone's brain is wired for negativity first. So why is that important to understand? Well, it takes kind of that personal, what is wrong with me? The reason being the brain is wired for protection, safety, survival. So because of that, it's looking for potential threats to keep you safe from potential things that can hurt you physically or emotionally. And that's really important. Neuroscience has shown and neuroimaging of the brain, the brain perceives physical threats similarly to emotional threats. So again, your brain is protective. Now there's the key. Everyone's brain has that default wiring. It's a matter of how are we are conditioning it. So the reality is either we condition our brain, our mind, or it's conditioning us from that protective place, which means all the more default into negativity, looking at what is wrong, what isn't good, what potentially could go wrong, what could hurt us. So if you understand that, then you can see how important it is for us to condition our mind, right? There's a much more general acceptance of conditioning our body. Like we all understand if I don't exercise, you know, I'm not going to have great endurance or if I don't lift weights, I'm not going to have a lot of strength, but we, we really underestimate how much the brain influences us in every single way. And that if we don't take conscious control of it, it's going to condition us from that place of protection, which means more negativity. And and the more challenges we face in life, like with as an entrepreneur, and, and I had to absolutely, because I'm an entrepreneur, right? I had to come face to face with a lot of different types of limiting beliefs, right? Around my capability to be an entrepreneur because I came from a, a family that all has degrees, right? And that was the plan. And it's the scary thing to step out and not quote, have a job, right? And not quote, have security. So. If you can step back and look at your life, right? And, and what some of those challenges have been or those limiting beliefs that come up in your business or in your relationships, if you don't condition your mind to believe in possibility, it's always going to emphasize limitation because that keeps you safe, right? In your whatever is familiar, the brain will always seek 
the hell it knows, okay? Meaning even if that is challenges and limitation and anxiety and feeling like you're not enough and, and so you, why even try and, and don't step out into the unknown, right? The brain doesn't like the unknown because it's a predicting machine. It can't predict what that looks like. What does that look like to be a successful entrepreneur? What does that look like to become the best version of you? Well, I know what this looks like today. I know, and that's my comfort zone. And that's just how the brain is innately wired. So it is absolutely up to us to decide and condition our brain to believe in impossibility and that it's safe to move there. Like if you, if one thing you can leave from today is one of the most important words you can ever communicate to your brain and nervous system is the word safe. Like for instance, I have clients who's like, well, I don't even know what it'd look like to not have anxiety. So therefore to the brain, it's safer for you to have anxiety than for you to not because it doesn't know what that looks like. So if you understand this about the brain, you have to know, okay, I have to actually consciously take control of that internal dialogue. Otherwise the brain will default more to negativity. And if you've had a lot of time in your life where, you know, you do focus on the worst that could happen or that becomes even more the brain's default, right? The, the nerve cells that fire together, wire together. So the more we have a certain thought, the more that becomes the default thought in the brain, which is why it's easier to think it. So we have to be the ones to interrupt that. And so one of the most powerful interrupters um, that I teach my clients is questions. Like, because so many of us don't question our own internal dialogue, let alone, right, other people and experts. Because obviously part of that internal dialogue is not just our own, but it's also been influenced by people. Um, you know, family members, even when I was started my entrepreneurial journey, family members from good intention, right? were like, I don't know, maybe you should just get your, you know, speaking to my husband, maybe you should just get a job, right? Like, you know, and that's safe and that's secure. And gosh, that ran through my head multiple times, you know, because we embarked on the ups and downs of what it looks like to be an entrepreneur. And so when your brain starts triggering these negative or limiting beliefs or fearful beliefs, here's what you do, right? That is how you feel. And that's part of being human. Interrupt it and say, okay, but do I want this to be true? Right? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be successful, right? Like my body can't heal or this is going to fail or what if, what if, what if instead just say, okay, do I want that to be true? And normally when you interrupt that negative thought loop with that question, the answer is almost always, well, no, I don't, I don't want that to be true. So then you ask the next question, what do I want to be true? And now that directs me on what I need to consciously communicate to myself, to my system. So that starts to become a belief because beliefs really come from repetitive thoughts, right? If we have a certain thought over and over again, it starts to become a belief in our system. So asking what do I want to be true? Well, I want to believe that I can be successful, that I want to believe that I can live my dreams. I want to believe that my body can heal. I want to believe that I can be my most powerful self. I want to believe that whatever it is, now I know that's what I got to consciously communicate and then act in alignment with that. Well, if I'm a person that believes this, what would I do today? Right? How would I act differently? What actions would I take that? Oh my God. I love that you just said that. I say that all the time. Like what would a person like, who do I get to be 
to achieve what I want to achieve? Like, what would a person who does that do right now? Love that. Well, and, and yes, what you say, if you think if you're in that, it's not possible, it's not possible. Well, then you, you certainly aren't going to act in a way that's going to make it possible, right? And that's why what we think and say is also so powerful because we then therefore don't take the actions. If we, if we believe in impossibility and failure and fear, well, the brain's not going to push us to show up in a way that moves us forward, right? And that's where procrastination and uh, just, you know, why can't I take this action or why can't I show up? Well, you have to understand, and I'm going to go back, the brain is wired to validate your beliefs, okay? Just think about that. And whatever you believe your identity to be. That's, the brain has to validate that. That is its wiring. So that's why it's so important to really sit with yourself and say, okay, what have I, who have I attached my identity to, right? If I always say, you know, I'm a procrastinator, I'm a procrastinator, I'm a procrastinator. Well, yes, that might have been true to your experience thus far. But if you continue to proclaim that that is who you are, your brain has to validate that as being true. You know what? I want to say something that just on that point, it's kind of like a side note. It doesn't necessarily uh, absolutely like um, relate to that, but kind of it does. When you say like in that moment, you said like, I may have been a procrastinator in that moment of time. You know, I want to encourage everybody to also think about that when you look at people and judge people in any type of experience, because we all are certain kinds of people at certain kind of times. Like I may wake up in the morning and have my head not totally on straight and then walk down to the kitchen and forget to say hello to my husband. And in that moment, he experiences me a certain way. I may walk into the grocery store and as I'm there, I'm getting a call that my mother's in the hospital. And as I check out, you know, um, somebody who's checking me out might experience me a certain way in that moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason I'm sharing this is because in our conversation that we're having right now about, you know, who do we get to be? I want to remind people that oftentimes people are not showing up a hundred percent of the time in the way that they actually are, or even want to be like, we are, we are living life. Like this is, it's life, you know, and there's circumstances happening around us every day and we're in a multi response mode to everything. So this is just a call to give people grace mm -hmm. because you don't know, you have absolutely no friggin' idea what is happening. You know, like you just said in that moment in somebody's life, when you run into them. Yeah. And we make so many judgments of people all the time. And that also is a, a brain's attempt at being negative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. if I judge somebody else, I'll feel better about myself. And one strategy that I use is that I, 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 I get into pretty much every day. Like I reread my vision, my intentions. I recreate my visions, my intentions for my life, my business, my relationships. It helps me reconnect to my purpose. And I even write them down weekly and quarterly to make sure that I'm still aligned with my current goals and passions. I know you have probably a lot to say on writing, writing goals and, and, mm -hmm. and passions and intentions down. And I'm telling you, that's a game changer. So I went ahead as you were talking and I linked my, I have an intention planner that I created and it's beautiful. It's a digital planner, but it's, it's beautiful. And I just linked it there for you guys to grab for free. If you want to, it outloads all the prompts that I use to write my own intentions. And I, like I said, I update them regularly. So when I get stuck in my own negative thought, or my own negative thought loops, I can 
use those words and they can bring me back into a higher level of productivity. So that's there for everybody at the top of the stage, but yeah, keep going. I didn't want to. No, I love that. And, and to that point, right. The word grace, um, we have to give ourselves grace, right. Um, and permission to be able to change, right. Like we have to give other people permission to be different than they were in that moment, but we certainly don't give ourselves that permission usually, right? We don't give ourselves grace. We don't give ourselves compassion. It's like, this is what I did. This is who I am. And, and then we put these confines around, you know, what we're allowed to do and who we're allowed to become based upon what we've done or been in the past. Right? So that grace and, and, and that acknowledgement, right? And to our brain, cause we can't lie. It's a data bank of our history. Like, yeah, this might be true. I have thought this way. I've acted this way. I've, I've had this pattern of behavior for however many years, however long, but I don't want the past to continue to be the predictor of my present, right? And my future. I'm going to take conscious control now and decide, well, who do I want to be today? And therefore, who do I become, you know, in the future and tomorrow? And that's that, and that's that grace, but taking that conscious control of our brain and say, yep, that might be true. I've, I've had this negative belief system. I've been a procrastinator. I've been a judger, or I've been so judgmental and harsh on myself, like whatever that is, but who do I want to become who? So then who am I today? And that's what I need to now proclaim, right? Because if I want to change, I have to shift my identity. I have to shift who I attach myself to be. Otherwise, you need to understand that the brain is wired to validate your identity. So as long as you continue to attach yourself to who you've been, if it's not who you want to continue to be, then you absolutely have to proclaim something different. You have to shift your identity ahead of actually becoming that person, right? And that's really the key because then now my brain, I'm conditioning it to act differently, more in alignment because I will never, and I just keep coming to procrastination just because it's one I think everybody understands. I will never not procrastinate as long as I continue to attach who I am as being a procrastinator. That's just the brain won't allow you to act in opposition from what you believe yourself to be. And that's just wiring. And that's where it's so where people understand, like as silly as it might seem to write that down and who, who I want to be and what I am. I am a person who takes charge. Like I am an organizer. I intentionally set my day. Like I, yeah. And if that feels too bold, if that feels too bold, you could, you could literally say like, I am, I am a person who is not a procrastinator. That's right. Yeah. Or you could be like, I'm a, a person who doesn't procrastinate would get up and take action. A person who doesn't like today, it's like seven something in the morning here. I'm in California and I'm, I'm a person who doesn't procrastinate. So a person who doesn't procrastinate gets up, has done a meditation practice, got coffee, filled her water bottle, got ready for her workout, got on a, got on a, um, a, a breakfast of champions interview, made her bed. Cause I'm a person who doesn't procrastinate. That's yes. what a person who doesn't procrastinate does. You, you ask yourself, who, who, who do I get to be and what would she do? And then acknowledging any step of progress along the way. That's so important when it comes to the brain, the brain not only repeats, you know, whatever we repeat, but it also likes to repeat what we reward and what we acknowledge. 
So when we're trying to change, most of us don't um, acknowledge the little progressions, right? It's like, well, I, I didn't do this. We, again, hyper-focus on what, where we did fail or where we did fall short still. And I'm, I, I had a client who I was like, man, if you were able to focus five minutes longer, you better be celebrating that. You better be celebrating and acknowledging and, and reinforcing, yep, look, I did that. Even if obviously it's not where you want to be yet, we never get there without the small little progressions along the way that obviously accumulate to those big changes. Big changes aren't just big changes. They are from small, consistent changes that build over time. But when you acknowledge that, you also start to build evidence to your brain that you are changing, that you are doing different. And then the brain wants to repeat that. And so that's a, that's a really important part of any change is starting to understand how important it is to acknowledge it for the brain, not just for you, but for the brain, it wants to repeat it. And therefore also it starts to build evidence. Huh? I am, I am a person who does this because look, I did this today instead of constantly focusing on what you're not doing yet. Um, because that just reinforces that. To that point, let me just say this, right? Like if I tell you, don't think of a purple elephant. All right, what are you thinking about? <laughs> like default, what just came into the brain? Purple elephant. Purple course, elephant, right? right? Purple elephant, right? But that's really important to understand. I told you not to think about it. The brain does not decipher. It doesn't decipher um, if you're not wanting something to happen, if you're not trying to think about something if it's something you don't want it just magnifies whatever we focus on and that's really important when you understand that the brain does not engage in deciphering in what we're thinking is good or bad or true or false or wrong or right or something we want or don't want the brain doesn't engage in that it just focuses on whatever we focus on and when we really understand that mechanism of the brain, then we start to really understand how important it is to focus on what we want versus constantly focusing on what we don't want because the brain just magnifies whatever we focus on. And in the absence, so let's talk about entrepreneurs and, and you're in a challenging moment in your life or you're facing different challenges, in those types of situations where there is stress, there is uncertainty, there is unknown, in the absence of a positive focus, blood flow in the brain tends to go to the emotional centers of the brain, which always heighten fear and uncertainty. So when you don't have a positive focus, the brain is naturally going to heighten fear and uncertainty. And that is why it's so important to have a positive or an empowering focus because that actually, again, moves the blood flow to the brain that allows you to take action to that prefrontal cortex. So that's why I love understanding the brain so much because then people start to understand, oh, wow, it's not just, oh, be positive. That's not at all what I'm saying or focusing on. We, we literally have to work with the brain to move us towards what we want. And if you're just focusing on what you don't want or your fears, the brain's going to magnify it. And that's literally what's happening in the brain. And that's why it's so important to ask that question. What do I want? Who do I want to be? And focus on that, take action from that standpoint. And then our brain actually can work for us instead of feeling like we're constantly fighting our brain. 
100%. Hey, you guys, I just want to ask you, does anybody have anything that they want to ask Ashley? I mean, we've got about 15 minutes left, um, but I wanted to see, I've got a couple of other questions for her, but do you guys on the stage or do you want to raise your hand or Ashley, have you been able to look at the comments? Um, there's a couple of- Yes, um, Haley. A couple of comments. And, yeah, you want to jump in and, and share or, or ask or- and then I'll continue on with my interview when you guys are done. Absolutely. Haley and Ashley, thank you so much for such a rich and phenomenal conversation. Ashley, can I just say, I love, 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 love everything you've been talking about. Um, I'm you. quite sure you're very familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza. You're the placebo Mm -hmm. breaking the habit of being yourself and all of that, and Dr. Bruce Lipton, Biology sure. of Belief. Yeah, because they remind me so much of what you're talking about, and it's so phenomenal, and here's why. I just earlier talked about when Lisa was sharing that I pivoted from being the HIV AIDS director for the state of Kentucky, where we, would, um, we receive funding and oversee the treatment of HIV for persons who are low income, who are HIV infected, as well as prevention for the state. So that all was under my purview. The reason I pivoted was just over the seven years I was in that position, not only nationally, but working with CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services overseas in Africa, in Haiti, everywhere. What I was seeing is that the people who were taking care of themselves naturally, who were eating the right foods, who were meditating, who had a positive outlook and mindset about their disease, were actually able to get off their antiretroviral medications. Mm. Um, and um, a lot of them had undetectable viral loads. And we're talking about a virus that is just unbelievably virulent and changes all the time. And the medications that we use are so harsh and sometimes uh, form sickness. And I began to understand that our gaps in agriculture and what we're putting in our body is a factor in public health, that until we start there, you know, the gaps in agriculture will continue to burden our public health, especially in Africa and elsewhere. So that's why I pivoted. And now I'm in agriculture. But my question to you, is this i know you i saw your profile i followed you because again can i just say i love what you're talking about you know thank you so, so my question to you is can you just touch on a little bit more about food because obviously your energy and everything you talked about shifting yourself but how does food contribute to who you become you know yeah. energetically genetically etc as well thank you so much ashley Oh, well, amazing what you're doing, and, and, and thank you for your kind words. I mean, yes, I, food, and we, it, we obviously are understanding more and more and more every cell in our body responds to the food that we feed it. Food is information. And in reference to the brain, the brain requires high-octane fuel. The brain requires high-octane fuel, which is good, good, healthy fats, and we need good proteins, and the brain can't run well without good fuel and so we have so many issues happening with the brain and with our health and a large part of that is absolutely the foods that we eat um, if we're getting good nutrients minerals our cells require minerals to function and 
all of that has been lacking. And so no, you know, no system in the body works alone. And so I've seen so many people change not only their physical health, but their mental, emotional health by finally giving their, their brain fuel, right? Real, real food. We're, we're constantly eating food that has no nutritional value and therefore our body can't run optimally and certainly our brain can't. And so when you're trying to change your life, again, you have to understand no system works alone. And so you do have to evaluate, am I fueling my brain? Am I fueling my body? Am I giving them the resources, nutrients, nourishment that's going to allow them to function properly? Because the truth is, right, when we when we eat a certain way as well and we just feel kind of gross, like we don't feel like I'm going to go take on the world. Like I'm going to take on my business. I'm going to actually take- I bet you I bet you people don't even feel gross. I bet you there's so many people out there it's who true. are so used to feeling, quote unquote, norm by eating crap that they literally don't notice a difference. And what we do notice is when they actually go off of those foods or they go through a detox or they clean up their diet is in the that they start to feel like quote unquote symptoms of yeah. detoxing the crap out of their body. But I remember, I think, um, gosh, I mean, it was ages ago. It was probably before I got sick. Like, you know, I was, I was living a pretty unhealthy life. Like when I was in, in, in college and when I was in law school, I was, I was ingesting things I shouldn't have been ingesting. I was smoking things I shouldn't have been smoking. I was I was broke as a student, so I was not giving myself the nutrition, eating on a really poor budget, and I didn't, I didn't know any difference because that was all I had. Yeah, and it wasn't. That's all I knew, and it wasn't until I like had the major breakdown where I chose to, where I, where I was forced to literally shift because I couldn't eat anything. I was on a liquid. I couldn't even drink water. I was throwing up. But when I shifted and I started bringing real, like you're talking about minerals and enzymes and nutrients into my body. I ended up doing a 14 day juice cleanse to kind of shift everything. And this told me that quote unquote kill me. And I was like, really? Cause I just did it with natural enzymes. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I do. You're right. To that point I say, I, I don't think most people know how good, um, they can feel, or we should feel, because I, I think we've we've normalized a lot of stuff, right? Like, um, I'm I'm 39, and I I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with too that's gone, and it's just like, well, you're a mom, you're you're coming up, but uh, you know, you just you don't, you're supposed to not have a lot of energy, like that's normal. You're supposed to have these issues, and we've normalized um, to the point where we don't recognize how good we're supposed to feel and can feel, but if we're not giving our brain and body fuel on a consistent basis, it can't, it can't support us in that way. So I always tell people start adding more good in, um, before only thinking take out, right? Drinking more water, adding more nourishment in, and, and then it, it does, and seeing what else, right, can I just start doing less of and starting to make those changes. And, and absolutely, you realize, wow, I, I am in large part what I eat and what I give my body. And that makes sense since that's the fuel that runs it. And then I just start showing up better and differently in my life. I've been asked that, like, oh, is it hard to eat that way? And I'm like, no, because I so much more value how I feel and therefore how I'm able to go after my dreams, how I'm able to show up in my day and in my productivity and in my energy and in my focus. And I value that so much more than the food I eat. And I, 
and I love my food to that point because it does make me feel good and it allows me to go after my ambitions and my dreams and I have a super positive relationship with the food that allows me to become and be and live and do the things that I want to do because that serves my higher purpose and so it's it's shifting that perspective around food is also so important because I think we and I went through it myself we have such a deprivation mindset around eating healthy and it's somehow being something negative and and taking me away and I'm missing out versus really seeing how much more it contributes to your life and allows you to show up for your life because I know when I eat a certain way and I feel gross I'm not taking actions towards my business right (laughs) or my health I'm like on the couch and feel gross and so it absolutely is super important when you're going after your dreams that you're feeling and, and it's not even just feel it's not even just feeling gross like I always think about like even next level like when I don't when I feel off I mean I have yeah. this word I use yeah. it's just off like when I feel off it could be just like a tingle in my body where I know something isn't right like something going on in my brain something's going on my cranial sacral fluid something's going on somewhere in my gut like when I feel off I don't show up as the best version of myself I'm not showing up as the best mom to my daughter I'm not showing up as the best wife to my husband. I'm not showing up to the best friend in my relationships with my friends. So, you know, and I will get, and I have always for my whole life. Cause I was that kid in college who couldn't go out at certain times. Cause I had a belly ache or didn't want to do this or didn't want to drink this or didn't want to eat that. And the price I pay is feeling off. And mm-hmm. so when, yeah, people will make fun or, you know, give me shit or give me crap. And I wake up every day if I unless I decide hey I'm gonna pay a sacrifice today and I'm gonna do this and I know I'm gonna feel like that because I mean we're not all perfect but sure you know like that's the price I'm gonna pay if I don't show up in the way that I want to show up yeah and 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 that's you know right it has its time and place yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I lost you. I couldn't hear you. I know you. we've got about, no, it's okay. It's, it, it, we've got about five minutes left. So I wanted to, um, I just wanted to emphasize one point that I heard you say earlier in the interview when you were talking about how you basically said, well, maybe it was, I heard, I think I heard you say it here today. I definitely heard you say it when we were at convention, you said something about like, if you believe it to, if you believe it to be true, it will happen. You're really, you're, you're like, you're curating your own experience. Mm-hmm. And I say something really similar that I say hundred percent is possible hundred percent of the time. And I think that that particular mindset is something that's brought me, me personally, a lot of success. And from a neuroscience perspective, I know we only have now four minutes left, but are you able to share how having this kind of belief or mindset can help you achieve success? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, simplest, right, is if you believe you can or you can't, you're absolutely right, right? Um, again, the brain's wired to validate whatever we believe. So therefore, it's wired to seek evidence that reinforces it. So that we have a network of neurons called the reticular activating system that creates the filters on what information our brain lets in. And so that filter is based on what we think, what we focus on, and what we believe. So if I have a belief that I can't or it's not possible, and that is now the filter that the reticular activating system has, then every day your brain is going to seek information that validates that you can't, that it's not possible. 
So therefore, that's what we see and that's what we respond to and that's how we act. And that's, that is the filter in our brain. And so we, we won't see evidence that we can. We won't see evidence that it's possible. We're going to see the contrary. That's what's so important about that mindset is it's literally creating the filter in the brain and what information it lets in and what information it blocks out because that's what that filter does. It literally allows information in that aligns with what you believe and what you focus on and it will block out the rest. That's what is so powerful about belief. And so now if I think that I can, right, if I think I can find a solution, that it is possible, now that's the information the brain's gonna seek and it's the information it's gonna let come in. So then I start to see what is possible. I start to see options and I therefore start to reaffirm that belief. I start to then act more in that belief. And that's where, again, it's not just positive thinking. You literally are creating the filters in which your brain sees you through, the world through, your career through, your relationships through, and it creates those glasses, right? And it lets information in or it blocks it out. And that all has to do with what you think, believe, and focus on. And that's why, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. And what I said in my speech is, you know, history has shown, and I think, you know, your evidence, I'm evidence, all of us are evidence in our life, that impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion, and history continues to show that. But here's the thing. If you believe it, then it will become a fact in your life. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is why I just saw the car that I want in front of me because I believe I can get it, and it just drove in front of me right now. <laughs> That's right. And if you didn't, you know what? Your brain might have not paid attention to it, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. In fact, I actually was parked like as it was happening, so I took a picture of it. I sent it to my husband. I was like, "That's my car. The exact color I want." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, there's that. There's the reticular activating system at work. And and to that point. We all do that. Once, if you do get, you know, like a certain car, now you start to notice there's a lot more of them on the road because now it's information that matters to your brain. So that literally, we are conditioning our brain to seek information every day. And it can be empowering or it can be disempowering. And that does come down to what we believe. Yeah, 100%. So again, you guys, um, we'll, I, we'll have you on mic, mic in a second and give a huge shout out for Ashley. And I, I again, I want to wrap up by just saying that I always, I always personally in my own business tell new business owners to really focus on things like this, like their vision, their vision statement, their vision board, their intentions. And that's why I just, I, I linked a little while ago that intentions planner up to the top of the room. If you want to download it, go ahead. It's totally free success is not possible without basically staking your claim. I want this to happen. I get to be this person. Who do I get to be in order to make that happen? What can I create? What energy vibe do I get to be in order to be that person and to make that happen? So if anybody needs any convincing, <laughs> you can go ahead and download that. And Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us today. And if you guys want to check Ashley out, obviously click on her, on her, she's right sitting right next to me at the top of the stage. She's got her gram um, there. Other ways to get to touch you and then 
I, I cut out, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I haven't been super active here on Clubhouse, but um, absolutely on Instagram, my website, it's just my name, Ashley DiLello. And I've got a free mind body blueprint there that is a great way to start to change uh, the habitual cycles that you're stuck in in your brain nervous system. Um, because I know when it comes to changing the brain, it's like, where do you even start? And so that's a great just blueprint, a three-step action plan to start just, just disrupting the habitual cycles our brain is stuck in. So it's possible. We all I have the same mechanisms Thank in you. our brain. Thank you for having me. Well, Oh, absolutely. Thank you. For some reason, my, I'm sitting in the same spot. It says I have poor connection. So I don't know if you thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to pass through to 